Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about executive midlife women, the experience that they have going through perimenopause and menopause. I'm going to be joined by someone who herself has been a senior manager in the City of London, who went through her own peri to postmenopause journey with some changes that were quite challenging. And she's now turning that into a coaching business for executive midlife women. Welcome to the show, Adele Martin. But I'd love you to start with, tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and how you actually came to be doing the work that you're now doing. Of course. So uh, I'm I'm Adele and I, up until, do you know what, this time last year, this was my sort of last week in, in the city. And up until then, I've spent 31 years working in financial services and really seeing how that had changed over sort of the course of, of 30 years. And, but, and the last 10 years of that was very much driven around um, my, my menopause, which was just over 11 years ago. And at, at the time when I was working through particular challenges and projects, I just sort of didn't sort of feel myself. So that that was when my relationship with menopause uh, started. And long story, and I, again, I will go back over, but and this is what's brought me to where I am today. So this time last year, which was ahead of my 50th birthday, I thought, what could you give myself the biggest present of all was actually to share my story on a full-time basis and you know coach women and take this journey and research further so my background is 30 years in the city a mixture of finance and HR but my absolute passion now is about sharing my story and encouraging women to take ownership I do not want another woman to go through what I did no I don't how was your actual peri-to-post-menopause journey? What did you experience? It, looking back on it now, I think the thing that, it, what happened to me, it was, it was very, very slow and gradual. So to me as an individual, I just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel okay. But I really couldn't put my finger on it. Uh, some days I would wake up, look in the mirror, and I, I didn't 
didn't really know who I was looking at. And the thing that confused me the most is that up until it was, it really was my 40th year. And, and at that time, I was halfway through doing my MBA. I had a, an amazing job. I had an amazing family. And it, none of it made me happy. And I kept saying to myself, why, Adele? What's going on? And, and why do you feel like this? And, and why are you forgetting things? Or, or why all of a sudden you feel more tired than normal? And then you just go, okay, it's just me. It's the weather. I feel fine. And you get up and you get up and you just keep going. And then, you know, normal life things happen. We have challenges at home, as you do. Uh, there's always challenges in, in, a, in a job with that level of responsibility. But I found all of that started to become overwhelming. And people say to me, you're okay. And I go, yes, I'm fine. Oh, you don't look right. Are you sure you're okay? And the thing is, I couldn't even explain how I was feeling. And it just gradually, gradually got worse. And then what happened was with with the amount of focus that I had on my family and, and my career, I, I just pulled everything I could together to get through the day. And I probably, the little bit of self-care started to fall away, which I'd always been so good at. And then finally, I just had a particularly difficult day uh, at home and at work. And then I just all of a sudden said, I just can't do this anymore. And if anybody else was going to ask me if I was fine, I was going to scream. And I got home particularly late from, uh, from, from work. So there was nobody to talk to. And I did that on purpose because I didn't want to go home and talk to anybody. I just wanted to curl up. And then when I got up in the morning, I did the school run and then I just completely fell apart. I had an absolute complete breakdown. I couldn't do it anymore. And so for me, looking back over that particular time, it was 18 months of little, little signs that I just ignored. But also at that time, I didn't think about perimenopause it was something that happened to women a lot older than me and certainly not at 40 with a young family in my career so I felt that I was completely taken off my feet and I didn't have a clue what was happening to me. Wow and I think that listening to that I'm sure there are a lot of people tuning in who would totally and utterly feel that they resonate with that story that it's it's all these little things and then suddenly it's all too much isn't it you're just overwhelmed and what happened after that did you resign your role or did you stay I had uh, I had some really great support at work and you know what everyone says to me Adele just take some time out and I'll be okay tomorrow and actually, for once in my life, I really, really wasn't. So I, I took some time out, but I, um, <laughs> I didn't. I'm laughing in terms of resting. I, I was absolutely really needed to understand what had happened to me. So I had amazing uh, work. So I, I took three months off, and I worked with my GP to find out exactly what was wrong with me. Because at the time, I was diagnosed with anxiety uh, and stress. But I, I said, no, 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 it's more than that. And then worked with my GP, got all of my bloods done, and they went, aha, we think we know what's, what's, what's the matter with you. you know. And all these sorts of diseases and all these things were running through my mind. And uh, he said to me, You're, you've gone through the menopause. I was like, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Explain to me what that means. And he went, 
he just looked at me. It's not his fault. He just sort of looked at me with a blank face. Well, you've gone through it. And I said, okay, so so obviously I don't feel great and I need to work on my health and well-being. But so what do I do? And he said to me, well, here are the nice guidelines around menopause. He said, but you might have to consider thinking about is the job you know, too stressful. And I said, oh, I have just finished my MBA. I've got the most amazing job. I, I'm not going to step back. I need to work a way to have both this body that I now was living in and my career at the same time. So he said to me, look, this is the situation. So, so what I did, I needed to understand. So I did everything I can. If I'm confused, I always go back to the library. That's just who I am. So I went back to the library, found all of the books, all of the Googles and all of the journals. Just think, so what does this phrase menopause mean? But more importantly, what are these changes? So I spent the three months researching and I came up with the 40 changes to expect after 40. And I sat like bingo. and Yeah, that's me. Oh, yeah, that's me. And then I collated them all because I couldn't manage what I couldn't understand. And then once I started to understand, I realized it wasn't just me. This was a, a you know, a human biology. This was the science. That, that was a brilliant aha moment. But the scariest thing is when I started to talk to women, first of all, some women go, no, no, we don't talk about that. So, uh, yeah, but I'm really interested. I want to talk about it. And they thought I was like, oh, OK. So when I did find women to talk to, they went, yeah, that's how I feel. I said, oh, so it's not just me. And I was managing to talk to lots of different women in business that, that were feeling like me. But, but 10 years ago, no one was prepared to talk about it. No, and absolutely. Ten, uh, ten years has yeah, moved a lot it forward, has, hasn't yeah. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, that, so that's what I did. And, and then when I started to look after myself, which is, you know, and what I was able to do to take those 40 changes. And then I, I created my midlife resilience system because I knew I needed to be resilient. So I pulled it on into a simple format. I thought, right, you know, so I did all of that. And I finally got back to work. And I went back into sort of a different role. So more into sort of HR, where I was able to, you know, really work with other executives, etc. And I, I really, really enjoyed that. And that's where I worked for the 10 years. But I continually through the whole time coached myself, worked with women to raise the voice because you have to be the change you want to see. And I was proud to talk about the, the menopause and do. And I did that for the whole of, of the 10 years, why my daughter was at university and all those great things. And like I said, this time last year, I thought, oh, I can actually do something for myself. And, and that's what I did. That's fantastic. And I love that you really in that talk about taking ownership of it underneath all that. That's really what I'm hearing coming through. Why was that so important for you and talking to other women as well? Because Again, at the time, for me, there was a real stigma or persona about so people were trying to define what menopause and midlife women look like. Because if you just Google the images at the time, I was like, that doesn't look like me. That doesn't look like me. And that's not what I want to do. And then it, it absolutely dawned on me, my aha moment. Oh, my God, Adele, you are the first, probably one of the first generation of women to go through your menopause 
uh, you know, in your career? Because I was talking to my mum and grandmother, and like, well, no, Adele, you you've got these opportunities. So again, that was that aha moment for me when we were talking to women. We're actually the first ones to break through these barriers. So we've got a world of opportunities, which is what I share with women. But actually, I realised I'm going to be longer in my postmenopausal body than I was before. So obviously looking at the GPs and the health 10 years ago, if I didn't own this, I didn't want to be a victim. And for me, it was the only way I could move from victim into owning this. And and that's why I did it because I couldn't blame people's knowledge. I took a responsibility myself to understand why my body was changing, but also realising that we're the first generation to go through this, why we got, you know, why we are in high-powered jobs. Exactly. And I think that's that's something you're very focused on, isn't it? Women in leadership, executive, senior management leadership roles, where it can be hard, can't it, to talk about that you're not on the top of your game. Absolutely. And these roles in themselves, you know, when, when you're working at that level, there's an element of stress, you know, but there's a difference between tension and complete, you know, where you are completely overwhelmed. So we know when we step into these roles, there is that element of tension, which is, which is what I thrive in. I thrive in tension. But what was happening because of my hormonal fluctuations and the way estrogen flows in and out of our body, when I was at the height of that tension, when it was tipping over to, to stress, that's when the overwhelm come in. I couldn't even articulate that to myself, let alone sit in a boardroom. And I have sat in boardrooms feeling completely overwhelmed and having the most horrendous hot flush and not knowing how to hide it. And it's very difficult to then prepare for that. I came out of that meeting and thought, I can't do that again. So yes, Adele goes in layers. Adele had this. But I had to just keep preparing myself for hitting situations where I had to sort of hide how I was feeling because the ballroom wasn't at that time, wasn't quite ready for that level of conversation. <laughs> no, no. And I think many of my listeners uh, would probably say it isn't now, depending on where you are. I think the UK has been quite unique in raising this profile. But for the listeners who are in the US, who are in Australia, I know that that is not an easy conversation for them at all. This is, they're like where you were 10 years ago, where I was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, there is. And yeah, you're right. There is some pockets, but uh, I ran a webinar on Monday and I asked, you know, anonymously just to put in some sound bites. And it still reminds me that, yes, we've come a long way, but there were still comments from ladies on last Monday that were saying we've, we've got some more work to do about raising the profile. But I also talked to the women about, you know, having that confidence to raise it as well and explain it to somebody. We can't wait for everybody to come to us. It's having that ownership. To, to start the conversation. And it is really tough, but it, it's thinking about how we're able to do that. Yes, absolutely. And a big part of that, isn't it, um, about educating other people and how we can do that effectively, both our close colleagues and the senior management of the business. Absolutely. And as I say to, to people, people aren't mind readers. You know, if we don't set expectations and share, then you know, we can't blame them for not not understanding. So there is that element of, of educating as well. And again, I work with these women. And also, 
um, educating downwards, if they've got teams that work for them as well. And I say to these women, you know, we, we, put, we put you in the centre of this. You have to educate upwards. You have to educate sideways and you have, have to educate downwards. And I even work with my women about educating at home and their stakeholders at home can be just as challenging as their stakeholders in, in, in their daily, in their roles and career. So, and I say to women, at the least time you want to talk about this is the most important time. And, and, and I get you and we can help you and work through that. But I feel for me, the biggest, the biggest thing that made a difference for me was being able to educate the people around me. And once I did that, I felt comfortable and I actually said it out loud. And I think until that time, even I went, oh, no, it can't be this. It's, it can't be this. It can't be that. But it's a very brave step. But for me, it was the one that really, really moved me forward. Yes, being able to actually to explain to other people is very liberating. I was never able to do that because of the environment I worked in. And and I was like you, I didn't know very much about this journey and had to Google it afterwards. But it it is a huge part, isn't it? Especially if senior women say, look, I'm really sorry, I'm brain foggy or I'm having a hot flash. I'm in menopause, you know, just bear with me, you know, because it does pass. Then I think people start to understand, don't they? Yes, they do. And it's um, about educating those. And again, uh, working in where I've worked before and then developing uh, training for line managers and co-workers as well. So, you know, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of stakeholders in that woman's life that, that, that need that educating. And I think that really, really does help. And then also, you know, when I'm working with clients, it's, it's like a coaching script. You know, we help and we talk it through and, and the ladies, you know, work on it and rehearse it. And they've used those scripts for even going to their own GPs to get some support. So, you know, that, that they're using these across all their stakeholders. Exactly. And I think that you brought up an important point there also with GPs, because, I mean, you had a, an understanding GP, but he pushed some guidelines at you. Uh, and I know we hear that, and that makes me sometimes sound like I'm being very hard on doctors, but they also need educating, um, unfortunately, don't they? Yes, yes, they do. Bless him. And it's funny because when he said to me, these are the nice guidelines, I said, well, they're not very nice and I don't like them. And he looked at me, sometimes he never, he never knew quite how to take me. And he said to me, I, I understand. Uh, but again, and, but like you said, I understand from a, a GP point of view. But when I've been working with my clients and, and talking to other women, what I find is information and knowledge is key. So I talk to these women, I say, look, do you know what, you know, the problem you're trying to fix, you know, you need to go into your GP and explain these are the things that I'm looking for. These are the options. There are lots of resources on um, International Menopause Society or the British Menopause Society to help you have that conversation. So if a woman wants to get the most out of that GP appointment, is go in prepared. And I went in to see my GP as if I was going into the boardroom. It's the same principle. I knew the outcome I wanted and I just needed some guidance. And you have to prepare for that, um, for that, for me, that, that GP appointment. I had to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think given that your GP appointment can be seven minutes or if you're lucky in the in the in a public health system but it's still very not very long if you're even where you're paying i mean a normal consult is 10 to 15 minutes you're lucky if you get 25 minutes and 
you have to, you're right, you have to be prepared because we may be talking about things that we're not used to talking about, things that are going on with our own bodies that we may be feeling uncomfortable or even slightly ashamed about. Absolutely. And and that's, so for me, I think the most important thing I had to do, and this was a very, very private journey for me, I had to reconcile in my own mind first where I was because I couldn't go into the workplace. I certainly couldn't talk to friends or family. And, you know, the original time I went to my doctor was because of anxiety. But when I went back in, I had to reconcile with myself first. And as soon as I had said, right, Adele, this is me. This is the journey. I'm not going to go back to my old self. And actually, as I progressed through this journey, I didn't want to go back to my old self. I actually liked the new version of me. And But I had to have that personal journey first. And then once I come to terms with what had happened to me, I then felt I could get the knowledge from the science, have all the options, because I'm very, I think it's very personal. So talking to one woman about their menopause is different. It's the same if you're pregnant and every person gives you their version of childbirth. Everybody's different. So I wanted my version of this. And then once I had that and the knowledge, then I went in and spoke to stakeholders and GPs. But I, I would echo to anybody listening, reconcile it with yourself first, because then you're able to go in and, and talk to others. And I still have my most days. I still have a wobble even now. But I just remember it's not personal. It's Mother Nature. And I've got to go with I, I can't argue with Mother Nature. She can be very, make, she can make me uncomfortable. And she did. But I've got to lean into it and, and take ownership and, and reconcile myself first. And then once I did that, I was really able to influence the people around me and share my story. That's fantastic. I just think that's some really strong points that I want listeners, if you've got a pen and paper, write some of those down about reconciling it with yourself and coming to a place where you recognize this is me, I've changed. I love that message, Adele. Right now, of course, many people are working from home. There is in many parts of the world a second or even a third lockdown. That's creating, I think, some real issues that both you and I were talking about before we went live. And also, how do we have these sorts of conversations so easily on? Absolutely. There's definitely, um, again, coming, uh, there was an element of optimism going just before Christmas, uh, especially here in the UK. And then when we came out, it was like, it's going to be more of the same. And, and then we had our announcements. And I'm very close to my clients, to other women in business. And there was a real, if I could describe it, a really big grey cloud came across all of the women. What I was hearing was, I'm homeschooling. I've got parents. I've got a business. How am I going to get in? I've got Zoom fatigue. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what I noticed was, I was, I was, I couldn't hear the I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do my exercise. I'm going to take my vita. As I could just see a real immediate switch to I'm going to look after everybody else than, than myself. So that, that was the first element. And you're absolutely right. How do you begin to have these connections over Zoom or have those conversations as well? And that has proved uh, challenging for the women. So I've probably spent most of January reinforcing that, you know, our journey is still the same. Our bodies are still going through what, what they're doing. If you don't put yourself first, these symptoms will get worse. I was chatting to somebody yesterday and, and the mood music is with surveys because we, we talk to women all the time. 
that these symptoms are 40% worse during lockdown. And sometimes, you know, we're not always focusing about the impact on us and all the time we're not looking after ourselves, then, you know, we're storing up a, a problem. So there's definitely a definite shift into how do I put myself so, and I know how challenging it is, but it, it's it's thinking about the overwhelm this time is is what I'm hearing. Yes. And I think we just feel that this has gone on for so long. I mean, for many parts of the world, we're now fast approaching 12 months and, no, I'm hearing things about women being discriminated against, women taking on too much. I mean, certainly the McKinsey report talked about women feeling overwhelmed that they've taken on so much extra work, working from home, especially if children are off. People seem to think you're there to cook meals and clean up after them. And of course, as women, we take that on. And then there's a lot of uncertainty. And if we're already anxious in menopause. It does seem to dial that part of it up, doesn't it? It has, yes. I've been I've been running some extra sort of sessions with with my clients on that in particular, and you know the 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 homeschooling came at such short notice. So the women had, as always, we, we do our plans and we knew where we were going. Then all of a sudden, that literally changed. Um, eight o'clock one Monday and it's really ingrained in, in me because then the women were going oh I had a plan I had this then all of a sudden everyone is back at home they, they're they, you know they're trying to run you know meetings and conferences when all the other parts of their role are always in front of them you know and you can say go off to do homeschooling or like myself dealing with parents um, in the evening but it's all around you and and where do you escape? Where where do you have that moment for you, that self-care? So again, and I say to the women, I'm not talking about going out for hours and hours on end. Sometimes as simple as taking five, five, ten minutes. I got one client to create a sign so she can put on the door. Mum's having a meno moment, you know, just <laughs> to prove. But she has explained to her family what a memo, a meno moment is. But she literally has to put a sign on her door because as soon she said, it's quiet all day. She closes the door and they go, mum, where are you? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. So it's just having that moment because what she realises, it's not selfish. She absolutely has to do that just to clear down all of the different roles in, in her life. And, and what we did, we did um, a map, a stakeholder map. She's in a home. How many stakeholders has she got in her home? And then how many stakeholders is she trying to manage through virtual conferencing? And I said to her, do you know what? That's why you're overwhelmed. And it's okay not to be okay. You know, and then the challenges is, so how do we move from it's not okay to let's see if we can just put one step forward? And she was like, thank you, Adele. I just needed someone to talk to, to think it it wasn't me because I'm just trying to hold it all together. And and that probably sums up lots of women I've spoken to for this this you know for and we're only twenty days into January so so that would be my advice even if it's five minutes put a sign on the door and just say to your family can you just give mum five minutes please yeah definitely oh that and that is just such practical advice and I think the second time around of being locked down. The first round, we were all like, oh, great, I've got more time. I'm going to walk. And I think I was talking to my sister and she said, if somebody asks me to go for another bee walk, she said, I'm going to explode. She said, just, no, I can't do this anymore. And I hear that. I hear people saying, I'm so tired. I have to just go to bed in, in the end of the day and crash and 
that the focus is not on them. They're just exhausted. Absolutely. And it's winter and, and, you know, we had the summer and I was saying to my clients in terms of vitamin D and getting exposure, yes, the sun might not be out, but if you're going to go out for a walk, see if you can get out at two o'clock or one o'clock when the sun is allegedly isn't in the sky in the UK at the moment. But again, it's having those practical tips. And you know what? You're absolutely right. It is okay to have a bath and go to bed and pull that duvet over you, you know. And women say, oh, yeah, but I feel like a fa- I don't say the F word. You're not a failure. It's not a moment. It's it's self-care. And it's just keep keep reinforcing that to, to women in particular. I think you're absolutely right. What immediate steps, apart from, you know, sometimes just saying I can't and going to bed, would you say women can take to help them through perimenopause, and in particular with a focus on lockdown? For me, it would be, so it's it's planning ahead. You know, you've got everybody in one place. And I, I say to the women, I talk it all the time. Uh, it's food, move and snooze, which is the left-hand side of my butterfly. I say to the ladies, what are you eating? Are you moving? And how are you sleeping? Okay, because happy, happy wife, happy mum, happy partner is a happy household. So, you know, so for me, I just say to myself every day, right, food, move and snooze. How am I feeding myself? How am I, you know, moving? And the biggest thing with sleep, and is the this is a very ironic at our age, but, it, you know, the repair and the rejuvenate, and I work with my clients about this all the time, it won't happen when you're awake. You have to sleep <laughs> and you have to do that. And under under food, it's yes, it's also water and and really looking after yourself. So I always say to the women, food, move and snooze, just step back and look at those three elements. Because if you can and what that does, which is the most important thing, it will stabilize those those peaks and troughs and the cortisol levels and, and it's that stress. So that, that's what I focus on. That's wonderful. And I think you're absolutely right because cortisol has a huge impact on the body and certainly is impacting our estrogen and progesterone as well, which is compounding what we're going through in menopause. So I love that food, mood, snooze. That's that's a great little sort of catchphrase to take away. I love that. Yeah. But in terms of that, I mean, Obviously, there we are with getting that and taking care of ourselves. How do you overcome people who say, I haven't got time because that's becoming quite popular? Apart from planning, how do we break through that? I get it, but I haven't got the time conversation. Absolutely. When I talk to women, they say they haven't got the time. It, it, it's different on their hormonal journey. So I'd say to them, you know, have you reconciled where, where you are on this? Have you reconciled? where you are in terms of your hormonal journey and symptoms, okay? Just to make sure that they haven't got time, you know, is do you really understand, you know, are you accepting where you are? And then the other time is I say to them is, you know, have a conversation perhaps with the people that you're living with, um, you know, c- can we share some duties, can we share something and have a, have a conversation. And do you know what? Do not be scared to ask for help if I wished I wished I'd asked for more help, but I thought I'd, do you know what? I'd, I'd do it all. I keep it all going. I'm not, you know, I wasn't. I wouldn't say a martyr. Well, yeah, probably was, but I wanted, I wanted to ask for help. So, 
there's no point in getting cross with people if you haven't asked for their help. So I would ask for help and as, as much as possible around, uh, you know, that. And, and in the end, after my menopause, we had the, like the team household. The house was run by the team and not by mum or, or, you know, it, it was run by a team. You know, and we had those conversations. We had a, a team chat in the morning. You know, my daughter did say, oh, mum, you running this like work? Yes, I am actually <laughs> a little bit <laughs> because I, I just need you all to help me. And, and when I explained why I needed the help, she became my best champion and, and it, it was brilliant. So for me, it's planning, but you also have to ask for help and explain why you need the help. It's okay to say, you know what, I feel very overwhelmed today. I feel tired you know, because I've explained, I sat down and explained to my family, I had a little chart, here are my hormones, here's the estrogen. Because if I didn't know, then how would they know? So I, I just took my family through a 10 minute Adele science lesson on what was happening to mum's body. And the funniest thing is, is when I started to feel overwhelmed, my daughter saw it before me and she used to go, mum, do you want the duvet or your trainers? I go, I love my trainers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But you're, you're right that it, they're not telepathic and we have to explain that. And you're right, we have to ask for help. And I, that's one of the things as women we often don't do. We get to break point and then we're screeching at people, usually screeching at our family because we can't screech at people at work. <laughs> no. No, we come home or we, we screech at people and then we're just like, I can't do this anymore. And they're going, what's wrong with her? But I love that there can be a sit down and get a team working for us. Even if our children are in their early teens, they can clean their bedrooms and they can tidy up and support us. And our partners, if we have one, should certainly be trying to do that as well. Definitely. And linking back to that, so when I Obviously, I didn't ask for help and I was in the last sort of financial crisis having challenges and I didn't ask for help. And then I did break down and, you know, my daughter said to me, Mum, why didn't you ask for help? And I said, I, I don't know. You know, so, you know, and I, and then I realised I was a mum and, and working, at, you know, I had a team under me and I should have asked for help. So, you know, we're now in a, obviously another crisis and I went through that then and, and even now I asked for help and would probably be that element of, of put, putting yourself first and asking for help. It was the biggest mistake I made and I paid the price. Yes, uh, myself too. I mean, I, I think, well, I was only me and my son, but I was equally guilty of not asking for help. And I think asking for help at work, even if that means people, dele you delegate more to them, you, you make them do it and step up more. Because I think as leaders, we often want to win and we do maybe a bit more than we should. And I think women are very guilty of that in leadership positions of going above and beyond because we feel we need to and because sometimes some environments do expect women to somehow overcompensate or do extra things because they've got to that position. But we need to be delegating at work as well, don't we? Absolutely. And I had a great team. Again, I'd like, oh, I'll protect the team from this because that's what you do and you protect the team and we pull this together. And, and do you know what? It, 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 I shouldn't have done. And, and again, I had a similar conversation at work and my team said to me, why didn't you ask? I said, but there is an element of I didn't actually explain I did I couldn't explain because I didn't know what what I was going through because at the time it it wasn't even in my vocabulary so that's why at the moment I'm so passionate about getting the vocabulary out there so women can start to recognize the signs because you and I were in an era where there was no signs it's not like I ignored it I just didn't know it was coming 
No. And I mean, what kind of things do you, you know, use as, as ways? How does that work to explain to somebody simply what's going on? So I think for me, I think women have to recognise that, you know, as they start to, you know, move over 40, your body will change, you know, the hormones will start to decline and fluctuate. So I think if a woman knows that is inevitable and that is going to happen, then once once you reconcile that from 40 that those changes will start happening, then, you know, we know there's lots and lots of different resources and papers. I, I For me, for my women in business, I've simplified it because we're ultimately business. We've got the 40 things that change over 40. And I share that. I actually do a blog each week to give women. And the amount of women who comment on my blog and go, oh, my God, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a change. So it's sharing the narrative that your body will change from 40. This, is, this isn't optional. As much as we would like it, we can't opt out. This is not optional. So therefore, the more you understand in the head and you prepare for that. So I think the first tip is, is your body will change over 40. And there are lots of resources to explain how it will change. So for me, watch out for the signs. Watch out for them. Because for me, the changes are in sort of two elements. You've got the hot flushes. You could have skin and hair. And then there's the other ones that are really important, which is muscle loss osteoporosis, impact on the brain, impact on the heart health. So when I reconciled that Mother Nature, as much as it was uncomfortable having that hot flush, she was really giving me a clue to look after myself. And that was the clue I missed. So for me, by by us sharing how women's bodies will change, the women can start to watch out for the clues and start to get prepared. And then, yes, some days it will be uncomfortable, but it, it shouldn't be a shock you need to start to understand how your body will change. That's brilliant. And I think that's really good. That, And I like the way you've put that into two boxes, sort of the hot flushes and then some of the other things that we expect. And we don't really realise that till a little bit later, do we, that we've lost muscle mass or we're not as strong as we once were. No, we're not. Absolutely. And, and it, it's those elements as well that are really important because then you look at the consequences of those and then you look at reports where the amount of women that have hip fractures or broken bones and an osteoporosis. So, you know, when you look at the data, I was at a conference yesterday sharing data on the consequences, you know, of, of menopause if we don't look after ourselves. So, you know, sometimes I have to share that data to get women to, oh gosh, yes, this is coming. And it's not, you know, I don't, it's not, I don't want to scare anybody into it, but I think if you don't know, what what the possibilities are and I think for me looking at because I was 40 I realized I had a long time in this postmenopausal body where the muscle was falling away osteoporosis was setting in I realized oh dear I really do need to look after this body and and so for me that's why it's important that that we share yes the hot flushes are uncomfortable but hip fractures and muscles and that part of what happens to our bodies equally and if not more important yeah, and I think that sometimes gets lost in the conversation about symptoms only. Um, it sort of comes as an afterthought, or there's only a smaller number of people speaking about that, and though that's growing. I love that. So if people want to know more about you and the work you do, how do they get in touch with you, Adele? So they, every, all of the resources and everything is, you know, what has to be simple for us women in business. So it's all on my website, which is executivemidlife.coach. 
nice and simple. So it's all on my website. That's fantastic. We will put that executive midlife coach on the show notes so people can find out more about what we do and also download your resources and learn. As you said, understanding is the key to being able to make differences and also being able to speak up, I think, and say, this is what I'm going through and make a change. Adele, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your passion and your knowledge with my listeners. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's like I said, you know, you have to be the change you want to see. So it was a privilege to come and share my story. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me and I would love to hear from you so drop me an email clarissa at clarissachristensen.com I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast and if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support pop over to my website clarissachristensen.com you can find free resources And you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.